Welcome to Biblical Perspectives on Aging, the podcast where you and your church will find answers to the difficult questions that arise as we grow older. On behalf of the Baptist Home, this is your host, Dr. Andy Brames. Welcome to Biblical Perspectives on Aging. This week, we continue our interview with Dr. Randy Bennett. If you missed last week's podcast, we invite you to listen to part one of the discussion entitled A Personal and Pastoral Perspective on Aging. And don't forget to click subscribe to hear more great conversations on applying biblical principles to aging issues. Here's the rest of the interview with Dr. Randy Bennett. And having completed that now with your with your mentor dying earlier this week, you know, you uh not that you need to re- return to the group, but you have different tools for processing it. I'm certain again that can help you moving forward. So, yeah, if, if, if very many more people die, I'm going to have to go through it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, Randy, as a as someone who leads pastors, as someone who has been a pastor, what are some verses or even passages from Scripture that provide clarity for these moments, the comfort for for you as you went through some of these issues and um, what, as you think back on that now, what portions of scripture might help you today even? Well, I think there's, there's quite a few. Proverbs, my, my great vacation Bible school text. We used to make these out of plaster of Paris, give them to my mom. Since I had two brothers in PBS with me, she had them on every wall in the house, I think. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not into thine own understanding and all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy paths. I love that passage. I've known, I've known that one since I was a child. I love it because there are so many decisions to make. Like as we especially deal with Carol's mother-in-law, she goes through her different stages we have decisions to make. When do we bring her home? When do we put her on hospice? We have to trust the Lord that when a decision needs to be made, we'll know when to make it. And that's one thing I always tell Carol. I says, Carol, when we need to make that decision, we'll know. And so something will happen and I will look at her and I say, well, Carol, right now is the time. She'll look at me and she goes, now is the time. And so we'll make that decision. And that's kind of based on that passage of scripture. Because I believe he'll show us when the time is. He'll direct our paths. The 23rd Psalm is one that Carol loves a lot. The passage that basically talks about where we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Mm-hmm. And it's not that we're dying. It's that our loved ones are dying. But we're walking in the valley of the shadow of their death. Mm-hmm. We're doing the walking. They're doing the dying. But we're walking in the shadow of that. And there's a lot of challenges in that valley of the shadow of death. As we are their caregivers, as we are making, we're making decisions on their behalf all the time. And when they're still alive and they're conscious of what's going on, it's sometimes rather difficult to make decisions for them because they can still talk, they can still think, they can still react. They can still talk back. Let's put it that way. <laughs> sure. And they could they can cut you down with their words. Psalm 116, verse 5. 
That's a psalm I memorized right, right after I graduated from high school. Verse five is precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his godly ones. Mm. So that's a funny one to be thinking of, but I also think, you know, it's, it's precious to God when one of his people dies. It's precious. It's, it's like a gem or a jewel. It's not just a body. Uh, it's precious and important and wonderful and important, and it's a treasure. That person is a treasure to God. And he's not a nuisance. It's not just a lump of a body. It's, it's something that God treasures, mm-hmm. and that, that comforts me. And, of course, the one everybody quotes is to be absent from the body, is to be present with the Lord. That is so good. My best friend died 2018. I still cry about that almost every day. That was a huge loss. But when I think about him, he 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 kind of like flew away. <laughs> he was an old Pentecostal preacher turned Baptist. And I think of Brother Jim just flying away to heaven. Shouting hallelujah. <laughs> he would have loved that. He would have loved that. And he's absent from the body and he's present with the Lord. That's kind of like the first of the losses that began to build for me. It started in 018 and it just started building from there. It just kept building and building and building. But it's hard to lose a best friend. He was just a part of my ministry pretty much every day. But there's another verse. It's kind of an obedience verse. Why would you bring a mother-in-law into your home? Exodus 20, honor the father and their mother. Hmm. (laughs) I often think, just put her in her home. (laughs) I honor my father and my mother. I've always known we would do that if it was necessary. And uh, it's not that I always wanted to do that. But for Carol, it's necessary. Okay. For her heart, it's necessary. And not even financially necessary. It's necessary for the way she feels and the way she thinks. And so we're doing that. And so those are kind of the verses that get me through. Yeah, that's, that's really helpful. And Randy, we've, we've had a couple of interviews on recently of even people who work with Baptist Homes and Healthcare Ministries that uh, have wanted to take care uh, of family members and try to take care of family members in the house, a sister or whatever, and, and find themselves unable to at some point, you know, it, it becomes too burdensome. And so, uh, you know, they've moved the care for their, their family uh, into a care facility, so to speak. And so like we said about death and, and handling that situation, you know, people are going to respond to these things differently. And, and again, this is something you've kind of touched on now that you've, as a older male, have lost a much older mother. Uh, seemingly, you know, this is just, it's the natural order of events, right? And she, she was older and, and this is the way when people are supposed to die. But you mentioned a few moments ago that 
when you were younger, you didn't appreciate the fact that, well, that 60 year old man lost a 90 year old mother and he should be okay with it. So maybe there's a couple of other things that as a pastor, you learned that have helped you personally. Maybe there's some things that you have now learned even in the last couple of years from your personal journey that, that are helping you to help pastors in your role as a DOM at this point. Is there anything else that you'd like to share uh, along those lines, Randy? Well, you, you almost have to identify the things not to say. This, this has come up a lot. It came up a lot in the grief share group. And it's actually come up a lot with my mother-in-law. I've learned, don't bring this up with her. Uh, the way she was raised, they, they didn't uh, treat death with compassion at all. And so I find at the dinner table, I would be sharing my, my feelings of, of loss with about my mother and no compassion whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And I would find myself hurt and angry at her. So I've just kind of, I try to keep that away from the dinner table conversation. Well, she's in a better place. She's better off. It's better off that she's dead. Hmm. Oh, well, um, thank you for saying that. And a whole list of things she would say. So then in the grief share group, uh, you begin to find out people are saying a lot of things like that. And so you almost have to find that list of things, what not to say. And actually, in many cases, the less you say, the better. And it is interesting, is it not, that across our culture, and I think it's like the last seven to 10 years, the terminology has changed. Even in television shows and movies now, the line is, I am sorry for your loss. That's new, that's very new. I say 10 years or less. They used to say, well, they're in a better place. Well, you know, no, no, they're not in a better place. The better place is with me. That's kind of mm -hmm. the way I feel. So the corporate terminology now is, I'm very sorry for your loss. Mm -hmm. That is it's really a pretty good way to say it. But you almost have to identify where like the five, and I'm sorry, I don't have that on the top of my memory. But I did, I had written that down in my notes for the grief share group. But there's a lot of things not to say. So just give my mother-in-law a call and ask her about death and she'll give you all five things not to say immediately. <laughs> She's going to say them. Uh, just those little things people say, they're so hurtful. Uh, they're not in a better place when they're not with, with you. Yeah, okay, technically they are. All right, they're with Jesus now. They're not with you, so they're in a better place. But those little lines don't help. They hurt. And so what I really, what I learned is maybe here's, let me just share the lesson I learned since I can't remember the lines, the, the little phrases is you, your head processes it one way. So yes, they are in a better place. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Yes. But the heart is a different thing. Mm -hmm. What I'm feeling and what I'm thinking are two completely different things. And so when somebody is grieving, you have to deal with the heart issues. You don't deal with the head issues. You kind of deal with the head issues before anybody dies. You know, in your preaching and teaching ministry, you deal with the head issues. 
But when they're grieving, you deal with heart issues. And I would say that's the biggest thing I learned is you deal with the heart when they're grieving. You deal with the head when you're doing teaching, training, and discipling. And that, that just became clearer and clearer through the grief share group. And it become clear as I process my loss. I don't want you to talk to me about head issues when I'm crying, when I'm hurting. Don't go to the head issues. I can't hear it. I don't want to hear it. Uh, go to my heart. Oh, you're, I see you're really hurting. It's hard to lose a mother, isn't it? But see, I, I know a few, uh, about three, four years ago, I was at one of our churches and these uh, 80-year-old women lost their 100-year-old mother. <laughs> I'm sorry, I was kind of scoffing it. Oh, God, forgive me for that. I was kind of scoffing it, like, come on, ladies, you're 80 and she's 100. Get over it. You should all be dead. You know, it's got this, this bad thinking on my part, hmm. lack of compassion. Now I realize how wrong I was. That was just very uh, unmerciful of me to be even having those thoughts. So I repent of those publicly that I was wrong to think or to feel that way. And God forbid if that ever came out in words or in sarcasm or in any, any even in my yeah. facial expressions, that, that would be completely wrong. Because I, I could be 80, I could be 90, and I lose my mom. It would be, it would be like I was a five-year-old. I still would feel the same thing. Still your mom. Still your mom. Still your mom. So I know... I know uh, when my dad died, I was like 38 years old. I was such a better pastor after that. It was noticeable. My people commented on it. Pastor, you're really different now. And I was. I, I came to them with a broken heart. Hmm. And, uh, and I understood. I understood something I never understood before. And so sometimes we wonder, well, God, why do you have me suffer? Why do you put me through a hard church? Why do you put me through hard circumstances? Yeah, so it's so you can actually be a pastor. If you go to great places where you never have struggles, you'll never be a pastor. You'll be a preacher, but you'll never be a pastor. A pastor has to have had struggle and hurt to be able to understand where his people are. So if you only have good times, you're fairly useless. <laughs> yes, that's, that's a good word. Even as you're talking about that, Randy, I'm, I'm thinking that, you know, within a, within a care facility uh, like the Baptist homes have, um, there are certainly there's pastors, pastors, wives, former pastors, whatever in those, but there are people who have experienced death personally, uh, you know, through loss of a spouse or a child, or whatever that that can use these words to help others, or caregivers within these facilities can uh, can can use the information that you're saying uh, to share. And and I guess I hadn't processed myself. I, I hadn't really realized, as you said, that the idea of loss, using that terminology, how recent that was to to our vocabulary. I, I uh, certainly I I say that often, 
but I just, I hadn't processed the, the timing of that, how that had become incorporated over time. So I, I really appreciate you sharing those things. We're, we're moving towards the end of the interview, Randy. Is, is there anything else that you'd like to share uh, with those who are watching and or listening that something I haven't asked that, that you, that it's on your heart to share today? Yeah. One, one last area is that, and that would be the difficulties and challenges of the caregiver. Uh, when you're the caregiver of the, taking care of someone that like in my wife, in my situation, my wife is, is the caregiver of her mother. We give a lot of attention to the patient and I, I do praise God for hospice. I'm, I'm just, just now really learning what hospice does. Hospice does do a really nice job, very good job with the patient. But I'm beginning to realize that's really not what, who they're really helping. They're really helping the caregiver. Hmm. Like we're with Hoffman Hospice here in Kern County and, and they're very good. But they really told us, no, they're here for the caregiver. And they have a facility in town that uh, you can actually take the patient to for five days. And for respite care, it's really designed in case they break a bone or something and they, they, they have to have really advanced care for a certain period of time. But we can sign up and, and put our mother-in-law there for five days and that gives us a break. Okay. What they're saying is must, much of what they do is, is to provide a break for the caregiver. And so I asked my wife last night, just before we went to bed, I said, basically, tell me, what you would like to say for the interview tomorrow. And she said, it is extremely difficult being a caregiver. And, uh, and this morning she said, don't forget to tell them about the isolation. Hmm. She said for the caregiver, isolation is one of the huge issues. Now we are fortunate that our hospice does provide volunteers and this is fantastic. They provide us four hours of time on Sunday mornings. Volunteers coming from 10 to two o'clock on Sunday morning so we can go to church and go to lunch. Okay. Which is great and which kind of fits my schedule as a DOM. We go to church somewhere and we go to lunch. And so we can, and that's kind of our pattern. So we can be together. That's always kind of our date. Our date is Sunday morning, uh, go to church, have lunch together. And, and then also we have a, a, a volunteer that comes for two hours on Thursday. So Carol can go out and do whatever she needs to do. But isolation is one of her issues. And so therefore loneliness is one of the issues of the caregiver. And so for those that are living our situation where you have a caregiver that's watching over somebody that's on, that's on hospice, living with them is take care of the caregiver. And I can see that with Carol. I can see that she go, she's going through stages of grief. She's going through stages of fear. Uh, like this week, I think we saw her mother decline maybe two more steps, two more steps down. Okay. And I saw her go two more steps higher in fear. I could see the fear on her face. And I thought, oh my, she's going to need a little bit more help. And so we have to consider the role of the caregiver. 
and I don't know the statistics, but I know that it uh, the, the, the caregiver can be greatly damaged through this process. And depending on how long it takes for somebody to die and how they die, is it a good death? Is it a bad death? Is it a short death? Is it a long death? Uh, but, but give attention to the caregiver. Don't mm -hmm. just give attention. And that's one thing she said also last night. She said, she said, my mom was fine. She's getting everything she needs. She said, but I'm not. Hmm. So I have a big responsibility to really keep my eyes open on my wife. Is my wife getting what she needs? And so I, I think the final question is, how can you pray for me? And I think the answer to that is pray that I have wisdom to know how to take care of my wife. And I'm not sure I know exactly how to take care of her. So I, got, I have to have my eyes opened to know how to take care of her. Randy, that is a, a great and a challenging word uh, for us to consider, uh, making sure that we're taking care of those who are taking care of others. And so I, I appreciate your, your openness, uh, as you said earlier, being open and listening to others allows them to listen to you. So hopefully people can't, you can't listen to others as a part of this, but hopefully people have, have heard your words and, and will take them uh, to account and, and be able to process accordingly. So I, I greatly appreciate you sharing your heart, uh, your experiences. And again, even in the midst of, of losing your mentor earlier this week, as challenging as, as that has been and the freshness within that, uh, you maintaining uh, your willingness to do this interview and, and sharing your experiences accordingly. So thank you on behalf of the Baptist Homes and Healthcare Ministries for that. Well, you're welcome. I'll be headed to Colorado in the morning and we'll be joining the family and uh, be, I'll be participating in the funeral, which will be Monday. Cool. Well, another, another opportunity to pray, I guess, by the time this airs uh, next week, I believe it will air. That funeral will already be done. But uh, as people listen to this, continue to pray for, Obviously for Randy and his wife, Carol, in their situation, but also uh, for the family of his mentor. We won't share their names for, for privacy's sake. So, again, thank you very much, Randy. You're welcome. Great to be with you guys today. God bless you. Thank you for joining us for this interview today. The Baptist Home has provided Christ-like care to the aging since 1913. To learn more about the biblically informed resources and solutions provided by The Baptist Home, go to www.thebaptisthome.org. Again, www.thebaptisthome.org. You will find links to previous podcasts, a growing number of church resources, and detailed information about residential and long-term care communities. Until next time, this is your host, Dr. Andy Brams, asking you to be a voice for the aging.